This podcast is about learning to grow, challenging my notions of philosophy, psychology, government, money, and power. Join me as I interview people with controversial ideas and lifestyles and decide for yourself what you believe in. My name is Greg, and this is Contra. This week's guest is Alex Paquin. He's been a touring musician, sponsored big mountain skier, entrepreneur, and all-around adventurer. Through intense will and focus, Alex has built an amazing lifestyle, family, and business on Vancouver Island. He has forced distraction out of his life and surrounded himself with the activities and people that bring him joy. We go into the daily tactics, strategies, and motivations he's used to overcome his personal obstacles and build the life he wants. When you meet Alex in person, you get the immediate impression that you're dealing with an intense human being. We've evolved for millennia before speech, and just like any other animal, we're experts at sensing the state and will of others. I don't know if it's eye contact, body language, or something deeper, but Alex is a powerful man, and what he has to say is worth listening to. So yeah, welcome to my podcast, uh, calling it Contra, and I'm pretty stoked to have you as the first guest because though I've wanted to do a podcast for a long time and I haven't really had a good topic to do it on. I'm interested in a lot of things, but I wouldn't say there's, there hasn't been one thing that's been, you know, hey, this is what I'm going to do a podcast about. I, I thought about things like kite surfing, but it's, it's too niche of a market and not something I'm passionate enough that I want to, you know, release an hour or two of content on a weekly basis. But yeah, when we were here at your place, um, we had that like super awesome night down at the beach, uh, around the campfire, broke open those, uh, those fresh oysters from your property there, you know, did them up in the oven and, and yeah, just chatting around the fire about, about, you know, changing lifestyles and all that kind of stuff in my yeah. life. And, uh, you had told me about just that, that brief description of, of the way you set up your life. I don't know what point that was, but what you said is, is you didn't choose a career and see where that would bring you. You said, I put myself here and this is where I want to be. And then I created a life around that. I created a business that would support that lifestyle. And I thought that was so interesting. And it's, it seems it's one of those things that now that I've heard it, it sounds like I already knew it. Right. It's so obvious, right. but yeah. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward concept, you know, like is figuring out your life plan before your business plan or creating your business plan from your life plan. Yeah, totally. But it's not how most people approach it. And I, I think that's, you know, I don't know if that's a, a right or wrong way, but I don't yeah. think there is a right, right or wrong way. It's just totally. whatever feels right, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think what would be potentially the wrong way is somebody chooses a career that they're not particularly passionate about. Mm -hmm. They just it's just kind of easy. And then that career takes them to say northern Alberta or wherever it is, and they kind of just they follow that stream without ever coming to a focal point in their life where they're like, I have to make a decision, I have to make a change, you know, once they've got that financial stability or whatever it is. So the fact that you did that, I think it's, and just the way that you look at life, I thought that was interesting. Cool. Thank you. I, I, um, I appreciate the, um, the, 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 your, your look into it. You know, it's just like, to me, it's, it's been fairly simple. It's just cause I'm, I'm consider myself just a, a very passionate guy. Yeah. So, um, my passions in my sports have always dictated my life. So it's, it's more out of what I call FOMO is, is a fear of missing out. Yeah. So like 
to me, I do weather related sports where the sports are, are and the lifestyle is related to when the conditions are actually optimum. Yeah. Um, so to me, to, to work on a regular basis, on a regular schedule, yeah. and to simply watch that day go by is so ridiculously painful. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, I can't do it. You know, I've realized pretty early on that I just couldn't do that. Like I, I couldn't watch, like I'm a skier and I could not watch, uh, like I could not sit down on a powder day being stuck at work. Yeah. It would drive me miserable. Like absolutely miserable. Even if it's like, okay, I can, I have five chances out of seven, like, right. So I work it optimally. So I like, I, you know, only have to take two day shifts and like mm-hmm. I can work three evenings and, you know, I even have a, had a job like that for a few years. And it's like, even that doesn't work. Cause if that day comes along on that moment where you, you're on a day shift, yeah, I want to shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like literally like it's, so it's, uh, yeah, it's extreme case of FOMO that I've got that's driven the whole path of like, I need to create a business to be able to do it a hundred percent of the time, not a hundred percent of the time, yeah, but a hundred percent of the time when it's good. And you know what? The other thing I noticed is you kind of are the master of like picking those conditions. Like kite surfers, <laughs> kite surfers know a little bit about wind, like, oh, yeah. okay, they can talk about thermals and high pressure, low pressure, but that's about the depth of their understanding. Whereas you've got this, like when I asked you like, oh, when does Nimkish get the good blows? You're like, well, uh, you bring out charts and it spells spreadsheets. <laughs> and like every time I talk to you, but like I've never, I've never snowmobiled, but I, you know, I asked you about snowmobiling and it's all about like, well, this type of mountain gets this type of exposure, which brings snow at this time of year. And you've, you've just got that system so dialed for all these activities for like when that perfect day is going to be. You have to be systematic so you don't miss out. Again, it comes out to the fear of missing out. (laughs) You know, it's just like, so you can't miss out. So you got to like eliminate the chances of ever being skunked. So, cause it happens. It's always, it's <laughs> yeah. always, it's always a roll of the dice. Well, like there, sure. There's always a gray zone of like, you know, there's so much that the weather panels and, and pressure gradients can, can real, you know, and there's always a, a, a zone where, you know, it's a little bit gray, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice. Cause you're not like, Oh, this could go very well, but you know, there's a chance that, eh. so, but you have to be able like, to me, it's like I have to minimize that gray zone to like absolute minimum. Yeah. So there's very little chance of it going sideways. So, you know, we, you know, just study the conditions and figure out the optimum conditions for a spot and then just like see these conditions roll. And you just got like develop a database, just a system that simply tells you when to do what. Yeah. So my life is dictated by weather. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's purely weather and conditions dependent and that dictates on the sport that i'm going to do and the activities that we're going to do yeah. and that's why me and my wife work so well together because she's got probably like a case that's as bad as mine mm-hmm. right? but I, I don't know you say fomo i almost think of fomo as a negative thing in that people mm-hmm. they don't it is a negative thing well I mean that, that it's not a positive. I don't feeling. see. I don't think of you as a guy that has FOMO because you do so much stuff. Mm. I think of FOMO as like one of those people that they don't do anything. They never make plans because they're always afraid of something better happening. You've always got. It seems like you've got a plan to do stuff. Um, so you yeah, because I follow the weather. 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm committed, right? Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm simply committed to the to, to, to having fun. Yeah, the FOMO uh, doesn't doesn't stop you from committing. And you know what? I think we should also mention too, because when you talk about these sports, even though I don't snowmobile, um, but we we share like kite surfing, for example. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. I, I totally get that that obsession and that that zen you can get when everything lines up and you've got the perfect waves, the perfect wind. Absolutely. Perfect beach. Yeah, that, but, that session that we shared uh, a few weeks back. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, on Long Beach. It was pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. spectacular. Was 60 for, kilometers of 10-foot yeah, waves it, in, in two days. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much like as good as that sport gets, mm-hmm. right? So like now, but now it, it's, it's a buildup, right? So now in our heads, it's like that's the standard. That's what we strive yeah, for. Almost. So, yeah. you know, but like I, I came back from that day and I analyzed the panels. I, I looked back at the panel and like what was so good about that day and how did it actually, you know, line mm. up. Right. So you look at the wave models, look at the the, the, the pressure gradient models and, and, you know, and just simply a visual check to make sure, you know, just to, to see how that day looked like on a model. Yeah. You know? And that's not the stereotype though. And I don't think that's how most people are. Most people are just stoked to get that day and they get one every couple of years. Whereas you're, you're somebody that makes that a repeatable process. Yeah, for sure. It has to be, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be cause that's the top, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to relive that top feeling as much as I can. Like, you know, I, I, I don't do, I don't do drugs. Yeah. Um, it's a, although I can relate cause it would be a similar high. Like I, I would think that cause you know, the, the, endorphins that i feel when you know there's an epic day like at the end of the day i feel uh extremely rel- relaxed happy and on a cloud mm-hmm. you know so it's uh it, it's something that i mean i've had to kind of watch over the years like i used to like those days used to bring me big downs on the the, the following day okay you know the emotional really? yeah emotional roller coasters for sure i call it a fun hangover so oh, you interesting. have something like you have too much fun. It, it is actually possible. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I don't, I don't think I get that. I feel elated the next day. Yeah. 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 So no, I, I get the emotional swings. I get like, uh, cause, but the way I figured it is to, to minimize that is that, um, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit odd to explain, but if I, uh, kind of not, minimize my, the, 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 the high point of my feelings, yeah. but just kind of, um, I call it overstoke. So you're <laughs> yeah. stoked and you get overstoke where it's just like everything releases and I'm screaming of joy and everything. If I've got these releases, then the next day I'll definitely feel down. So I try not to get overstoked. Okay. It's just a balanced thing. So hmm. it's just simply knowing myself and how my body chemically reacts. Oh, interesting. Right? So, so me, I think like I'm just like, as a baseline, a more reserved person. So right. I don't like something like you do, like, well, you know, I should explain to people we're just, I just listened to you play this like awesome looping mix where you're playing drums and then you loop that with didgeridoo and then you loop that with electric bass and then you loop it with guitar and then singing and then rap. And it's just this, like, I couldn't, I would find it very difficult to ever get the confidence to do that. I don't think I have that. Uh, I, th- I think you do it. Like it's just a matter. Of, it's 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 repetitive. It's all it is. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, you you're good at multitasking because you you know you've got the kite surfing experience, right? So you can drive a kite at the same time as you can uh, float down a wave and deal with uh, you know riding your board on a wave and flying a kite at the same time. Yeah. So 
in that way you're multitasking what i just did musically is exactly the same thing but mm-hmm. you know this is just like you know this is 30 years of of playing instruments yeah so so i you know when i saw live looping for the first time um it's like oh cool I, mm-hmm. I could totally do that. Like I could, I could see it. I can hear it. Yeah. I could, you know, but I, I played in bands for so many years and, and, uh, and live looping came to me just because, you know, I, I wrote an album and I recorded my album. Um, I recorded every track, like every instrument. Yeah. And, uh, then I kind of wanted to present it, but I had nobody that would want to take, you know, three or four months off and do a little tour Mm-hmm. and not be paid because obviously <laughs> I have no money to, you know, as a musician, I yeah. mean, you know, the, the budget was nil, you know, I was just paid like, I don't know, 500 bucks to get my CDs, like a few CDs printed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was pretty much it. And I, you know, I'd, uh, I, I'd, I'd played for, I'd just, you know, ended up actually mostly that summer. I just followed the wind, went kite surfing and everywhere I, I went, I tried to play live at a couple of venues. And uh, just, you know, to the local pubs and just yeah. introduce myself. And When was that? Uh, it was 2011. Oh, that was pretty recently. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. So I took the whole summer off and just wanted to tour my album. Yeah. And that's why I set up the live looping setup because it was just like, well, I did that the year before just thinking about that. But yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, that, that's where the idea came. It's just like I need to be able to play them by myself. And there, is res- there are restrictions. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in the gear and and how it's set up and, you know, like you can't do like a, a regular band and jump from like, you know, one verse to one chorus and do this, that you got to get creative in the way that you do your transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can adapt your songs with yeah. it. And I imagine like in the moment you get a lot of those revelations. I know when I first saw, I was obsessed with kiteboarding before I even did it. I just saw yeah. it. Yeah. And I'm really, really glad that I've never, well, beyond glad I've never grown out of it. And yeah. what you're saying about that multitasking, flying the kite and riding a wave on a surfboard. When I do it now, it's just, I don't even think about it. It's exactly, it brings me yeah. to this flow state. Yeah. And at, somebody had said this to me once that they were, there was somebody that weren't into any extreme sports or moving quickly. And they're talking to me about meditation and I've tried to meditate a few times and it's I find, well, a few times, a lot of times I find it very difficult, but I wonder if people get that flow state through meditation and that would be, to me, Perhaps, it would be yeah. the ultimate kind of, I mean, I love, love all the stuff we do, but it would be the ultimate kind of defeat if I found out like, oh, wow, those people just sit there with a $10 cushion and they get this thing that we do all this, like all this work to set up in, in our, in our lives and rearrange our, our, our lives to get this. I, I don't think they, yeah, I don't know. I, I wonder don't, if they I, do. I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm definitely not envious. I can't meditate personally. Yeah. My meditation is, is, uh, getting to that flow state in different sports and playing my music, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I can't get that, that flow state when I'm actually live looping because it requ- requires too much like methodical concentration. Yeah. Um, but if I just pick up an acoustic guitar and just start jamming. Yeah, absolutely. Then mm-hmm. You know, especially if I'm jamming with like, uh, another good guitar player and we just get going on the rhythm and, you know. And it can go wherever it wants to go. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so that's pretty fun. But to me, that that's as much fun as kiting or as skiing or or uh, snowmobiling or you know mm-hmm. rock climbing or whatever other sports that that can bring you to that state of focus. But it's just uh, you know it's it's different. It's not physical, but it's definitely um, definitely a flow state. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So what brought you from 2011 being a traveling musician to having this, well, you've got this like beautiful property on the, on the lake here or on the, on the ocean, I should say. And, uh, it's what seems to be a very successful business that's working most like you've got it to the point where it's automated. I don't know how much of it, you know, how much of your day to day is taken up by that, but it looks to me like most of your day now is this new project developing this, this place in Euclid. That's a, that seems like a, a short amount of time to have that huge life transition. I guess so. I guess so. Um, it, no, I, I st I'm still very active in my first business, which is uh, Peak Orthotics. We, we manufacture foot orthotics. So I, um, you know, like it, it's it, really what it comes down to is just setting up your most important functions into like what I do on a day-to-day -day basis that makes this business grow yeah. and be successful. Right. And I just focus on these tasks. Mm -hmm. I, I don't step away. I, I don't like to like, I've my, I've got quite a few limitations, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, um, I'm visually impaired. Yeah. Um, I can't read really. I, I can't do it. Like I, I can read like a, a web page or something that I can p blow up or something, yeah. but I cannot read a book. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. No, I, I, I'm, I'm extremely dyslexic and, and, uh, you know, to write writing as well is, is, uh, is a really big challenge. I've got, um, that I, I could demonstrate to you later, but uh, like all it is, is I, I write letters and there's something about my, my, the, some, somehow my brain doesn't connect to what my hand's doing. Yeah. And, uh, and I find that I have to write really slowly and really big blocky letters to be able to, for other people to actually understand. Yeah. Um, so it ends up being really like scribbly and, and, um, it's, it's hard to, uh, it takes me a long time to write. And it's been fucking tough in school. Super, super tough. Yeah. So, um, I, I didn't really go to school. I hardly finished 12th grade. Um, one for the reason that I, I just really wanted to go out and ski yeah. and follow that passion. And, uh, two is just, I, I just didn't have anything that at that age, that was really much interest to me. I mean, I, I had the music at that time that was... Make that sure was, you're talking into that. Oh, right, right. I had the uh, the music at that time that was extremely um, important to me. Yeah. Um, but somehow, the, uh, you know, that was like, you know, mid-90s when I was university age. Mm -hmm. And um, I was accepted to, uh, like, in a really good jazz program. Yeah. Uh, which was for the music scene where I'm from, uh, just North of Montreal was like a, a really kind of a good achievement, you know, cause it was a hard program to get into and, and it was a really reputable program. Um, but I, I looked at it for just like, a, I don't really like jazz. I mean, <laughs> I, I like it, but you know, it's like, I don't really want to play like a robot. And I saw a lot of the guys that were coming out of that program were, were playing very similar. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't really attracted to that. And, uh, it's like, well, you know, honestly, like, where is this going to lead me? I, I don't really see a future and, you know, perhaps I'm going to play for some, you know, I was going to be a guitar player for some more well-known musician. I, I, I didn't really inspire me. What so, I can see too, like, you know? I mean, hindsight's 2020, but I look at you now, you know, super successful guy, I would say. No, well, not, thank you, Greg. you're not unlike a Forbes magazine, but I don't think is that that's not to me your, your not setup. You, yeah, exactly. You know, as far as like 
just talking to you, you know, before the, this podcast and stuff like that, it, it seems to me all the things that you talk about in your life, you've put yourself in a position to have all those things, like all the, like the snow, the wind, the surf, it's all like really like right at your fingertips and you've got the means to get that. And you've got these, these properties and that, that kind of security there. Um, yeah, the properties so, are interesting as it's been an interesting journey. Um, <laughs> that actually, you know, I've had one really good friend of mine, uh, mentor in, in real estate. He's, he's about ten years older, um, and uh, he, uh, his name's Mike. Uh, he did really good in the in the Canmore market. Okay. Um, and he set him, himself up. I, I met Mike when I was seventeen, so it was quite influential, you know. Yeah. And uh, but he's always been like kind of a big brother that I never had. Um, so. You know, we got along really good. Um, we were neighbors um, for for a few years, and uh, just always kept in touch with Mike. And uh, it's it's been interesting because he was always like, you know, like um, the, the real estate, this real estate, that. It's always like a, a an interesting and a good positive way of like uh, you know being able to make a lot more appreciation uh, than your actual dollar in. Mm -hmm. so to me it makes sense i just like understood the concept of owning something that's appreciating instead of depreciating yeah so you know uh, you know i didn't really learn anything like that in school but i, I you know i know how to listen to my friends yeah so. well actually, that, that was kind of my point is it, the i went on a bit of a tangent but you got you've obviously worked very hard for this success that you have and so i would reckon that you're a guy that's really motivated by success. So you had this time in school where you weren't being successful. So why would you follow that path further with something like that jazz school? Right? Exactly. I, I don't, I don't, I didn't really see a future there. I was just like, personally, it's more, it's not really thinking about success It's simply thinking about, uh, progress. Mm -hmm. This is my favorite word is progress. Like I right. like to feel a progression every day. So my goal for the day when I wake up in the morning is just to simply feel a progression, not yeah. leveling and maintenance. I don't like maintenance. I like to progress. Yeah. So have to do something that's a little bit challenging and a little bit out of the comfort zone. And I usually do it right off the bat. In the know? morning. In the morning. Yeah. So like if I have to do a sales call, I'll do it first thing. If I have to do something that makes me uncomfortable, I'll do the first thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what I do is I write my list of stuff that, needs to be done mm -hmm. then i simply pick you know it sounds cliche but i'll say simply pick like three that like matter yeah you know because it's easy to get cluttered i find like with there's so much stuff right like okay. so much stuff so it's always a constant struggle to like be able to just prioritize 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 mm -hmm. and what is like if i don't get anything done what's going to make a difference into yeah. progression. And so often if you're not diligent like that, you do the least important thing because it's the easiest first. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I, I, you know, back when I was in the military, I had some, you know, higher profile jobs that were very busy and it's very easy to sit at your desk and just keep checking your emails and mm -hmm. responding oh, to yeah. the, the tedium of the day to day exactly. without really then, pushing, pushing that next level. And, and that, that's what has to happen. What what happens then? I find is if I do that, is the day drives me, rather than I drive the day. Yeah. Right? So I, I heard about this thing like it's called the the decision bank, I think. Right. And it, it's that the concept that you have a certain number of decisions that you can make effectively 
in the day and that runs out. Mm -hmm. So if you burn it out in the morning, deciding what you're going to wear, how you're going to do your hair, totally. you know, yeah, fighting yeah, yeah. whether yeah. like, are you going to sleep in or press the Susan button for another five minutes? Cause that's a really taxing decision. If you let yourself, Oh, am I going to sleep in? Then you, by the time it's noon, you're so burnt out. That's right. That you, you can't really make that sales call because it's just exhausting to even think about it. Yeah. Yeah. For that's sure. A cool for idea. Sure. Yeah. Just try to like automate, like, you know, make, make these things automatic. Yeah, as many as many as possible. Yeah, I've I've heard of that concept too. I mean, I I, I guess I naturally do it. Like I took a uh, you know what was interesting is uh, um um I with my orthotics business um about two years ago um ended up uh, like actually suffering quite a bit of stress. Yeah. Um, I got myself completely worked up and felt like I was completely losing it. Um, I was starting this new contract. It was the first time like managing, uh, quite a few staff and, yeah. and, uh, at remotely and having to travel, you know, to Calgary from Vancouver Island to Calgary, you know, like bum, 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 back and forth. Like it's not a hard trip, but if you do it like multiple times a week, yeah. um, it, it became tiring to, to, and you, had a, you, know, you know, young kids too. At the yeah. Time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that, that was right when, uh, when Nicholas was born and, uh, so having a baby is, definitely like a challenge for sure like a, a newborn yeah um you know now it's it's wonderful yeah. <laughs> you know like the three and five years old this is great because we can communicate and we, yeah. we have some fun we play together but as a newborn um yeah things are a little bit a little bit different in the household right because your wife is yeah. so committed to the baby and now all of a sudden you've got like a lot of weight on the shoulders in terms of like okay you, I, i've got to provide yeah. And, uh, at that point, like you with said, little your, sleep. your business was pulling you to do this constant traveling. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So, so it's, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. Anyways, I, I found myself like super stressed. I ended up having to go to the hospital for a few days and get some tests done. And, and, um, then I just went, came back home and decided to go like one week fully off fully off the grid like you know like actually ended up being two weeks <laughs> yeah. i went two weeks off the grid completely and uh you know screw the consequences like really i needed it mm -hmm. and um i uh i went to nimkish uh which is our, our kiteboarding spot as you know yeah um and uh it, it's just a great place to to be disconnected because yeah it's uh, impossible not to it's impossible <laughs> no not to yeah, yeah exactly so no cell reception and and you know I love the fact that there's no cell reception and, totally. you know, there's nothing like that. So, you know, you can get yourself into a place where it's guitar and campfires at night and, yeah. you know, it's really relaxing and it's sunshine and it's kite surfing during the days. And, you know, and then my, my parents were super helpful. They, they, they came out and helped out and, you know, we were able to just go up there just me and my wife for a little bit. And, yeah. and uh, it was really appreciated. Right. So they, they really came through. Uh, at that time so but i came back home and it's just like okay well now i got to manage like this contract and and these guys and still this is still problematic right yeah um so what i did is i i um actually invested in a uh a personal development uh course um you know i, f I follow this this uh this uh blog from darren hardy in the morning okay uh it's just D darren daly so basically like he talks for a couple of minutes about different aspects of success you know he mm -hmm. used to be the the editor for success, success magazine and and uh, he's got lots of lots of good insights that you know i truly um I, I relate to him you know somehow i i 
you know, I got into some of his work and it, it rang the right bell and I just started following a little bit more what he did. And, you know, it's, it's just a free uh, video and the daily video kind of thing. And, yeah. and it's, it's, uh, it, he does a really good job with it. Um, just lots of good insights. So, uh, anyways, so he offered a, uh, a 12 week program, um, called insane productivity. Uh, and the whole thing was about how, uh, how to do way more, but way, way less effort. Right. Yeah. Way kind more with way less Pareto effort. Principle. Yeah, 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 exactly. So this is exactly where that came from. Yeah. So, so he was explaining that uh, through through the course. And um, it, it was interesting. Like, this so is the first thing that he stops. Like, he's, you know, like the, 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 the constant daily emails and, and the, you know, the chasing chasing your tail mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. It's just like, you just stop that. Like, you know, the, basically, like, it's the whole concept of like writing your, your, your priorities and you know, the, 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 it's, it's just, it's not something that I invented. It's just literally, it's like his method yeah. and you know, I practice it and, and it's, it's, uh, it's really helpful. Yeah. It's really helpful. I was able to do the whole, uh, uh, Wild Pacific camp project, uh, using these principles and mm-hmm. managing both projects. I'm not going to tell you that it's easy. And then like, you know, I didn't get overwhelmed quite a few times, yeah, because you know, sure. it's like managing the two businesses plus trying to play as much as possible and, and raise a family. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, you know, it's, it's been a very busy, uh, especially over the last six months. Um, so we've had some, some challenges with the, the, the growth uh, and the development. Um, it's, it's been, it's been a rocky road yeah, for sure. So quite a few days and I just like shake my head and like, Oh my God. Like, you know, what am I doing? Like, why, why am I doing this to myself? You know? Yeah. But, uh, the the bottom line is every time I think about that, I think about, could I live with myself if I didn't do this, if I didn't jump on that opportunity? And the answer is no. The answer is like, you know, I I would have been the whole time. Like, oh, I should have, I should have, I I knew this was going to be good and I should have, but I didn't, I, I just couldn't live with myself. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, that comes back to the, the FOMO. I think of it more as like, a, you know, live life with no regrets, not not FOMO, but... Right, right, right. I, I guess so. I guess so. I, I just, yeah. Because I don't, I don't feel like it's a, a coming from a place of fear as much of a place of stoke. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. The, it, it's it's it, There is some somewhat of a, a negative feeling that if... I allow myself to be beaten by commitments or, or whatever, like, you know, like whatever can get in the way of having the most fun. Yeah. Right. So if I allow myself to put myself in that situation, I'll be, it's more of a mad at myself thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm mad at myself that I wasn't smart enough to actually beat that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, no, like I need to be smarter. Like, no, you can't like, I, I hate scheduled events because shit happens, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm not good at scheduling something and following through with it. I just, I've never had like, obviously I'll do it for my business, but mm-hmm. I, like I do it at very specific times and, you know, free the time that I need to free to be able to play mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, like I can see what you mean, avoiding that negativity. Um, 
there's a psychologist that I, I follow. He's a professor at U of T. His name's Jordan Peterson. He just actually got really, really famous with his new book and, and some, you know, YouTube videos and stuff that have got kind of controversial. Right. But anyway, one of his, his things that he talks about is paying attention to how you speak to yourself. And it gave me a big reality check. Mm-hmm. He's like, think about yourself as a friend and pay attention to how that friend's talking to yourself. And how would you tolerate that if somebody else was, you know, if your friend was in your house talking to you, like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be making eggs or something and, and spill, crack one and be like, oh, you fucking idiot, you moron. It's like, if my friend was there beside me and said that to me when I broke an egg, I'd be like, get the fuck out of my house, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't ever talk to me like that when yeah. I break an egg. But yeah. I allow myself to, yeah, you know, yeah, I think we're all a little bit harder on ourselves, right? Yeah, like I catch myself like, you know, you know, ah, dumbass, what did I do? Like, why? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, but it's it's not of a place of like not liking myself. I mean, you know, I think I have a good self-respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I, if, but yeah, I, I think that that is a reality. A lot of people are really harsh on themselves. Yeah, well, I think that's you know? a good word, and I think that's something this guy would appreciate too. Respect, because mm-hmm. a lot of people like that new agey movement is about self-love and like unconditional love for yourself. But I think respect is a better word. You know, you yeah. respect your respect your weaknesses and respect your strengths. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, try to R- respect your gut, you know, like yeah. you respect your gut feeling, right? If you mm-hmm. have a gut feeling about something, right. Whenever you like, whenever I get into a situation where like, ah, oh, I knew it, you know, I knew it, but it's yeah. just like, it's just cause I didn't respect my gut. Yeah. You know, straight out of the get go, you can usually get a pretty good feeling and like, it's hard to explain where those feelings come from, but yeah. it's like, you can get a pretty good feeling on how um, not to be judgmental about certain people or certain things, mm-hmm. but you get a pretty good feeling if that something is for you or not. Yeah, right? I totally agree with that. So, a, yeah. So it's just like if something feels uneasy, mm-hmm. like not that it's going to, good stuff's not going to, like it should be challenging, but y- you look at it as a you know positive thing that you want to do. Right. Like, but if you get into something and it feels uneasy, then it's, it's just really, we should get it back to the like animal instinct of like, how does it feel in the gut? Yeah. Right. Well, and you had that experience, um, with your property there where you had that contractor that was going to build you five yurts. You had that, that discomfort with that contractor. So you, you reduced it. Okay. I'm not going to give this huge chunk of money this guy i'm just going to give this well big chunk of money to build this one you know custom cedar yurt my property then expand later yeah and then you know well you can tell the story better than i can yeah yeah that was a hard story so um it's uh, i'm not too too sure where to start it it's just like a you know it it seemed like on on paper like it would make sense right like you know rather than hiring a, a contractor that was from out of country or, or, you know, hard to reach or something mm-hmm. like out of province. Um, you know, we literally, this guy's on the road to the project, like yeah. his workshops on the road to the project. So right away. And it really fell into the, uh, every single notch that we wanted to do. Like I was looking at, you know, like I built a, um, a canvas here on, on, on my home property here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I that's kind of what got me, mentally uh aware of you know i mean like your, your brain's in tune to certain things right when 
like you build something and then all of a sudden I can, I can see these, yeah. these, you have a little these, passion for the efficiencies yeah, of the structure. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I know, I know how cool it feels, right? Like it feels really cool inside. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this would be a, a cool project to do and it fit really well on the West coast and blah, blah, blah. Right. So when I stumbled onto the other property, it was like, okay, um, it'd be so fun to have some yurts in the woods and, you know, have a little, uh, you know, Bayside kind of yurt resort. Um, connected by all wooden boardwalks and, and, you know, do it really, uh, West coasty and really cozy. So, but then, you know, reality checks and you're like, well, okay. So if I'm going to invest X into a project, well, things are better to last, right? So it's, it seems like, okay, if there's a branch that comes down through the canvas and, you know, destroys, uh, the inside of a place, it's gotta be cedar. It's, it's gotta be solid. It's gotta be more of a, like, okay, like let's build more of a permanent structure. And this is where like, I started to look into, okay, what else could we build around structure with and, and have Mm -hmm. like the same feel, but you know, have way more solid buildings. So, you know, I came at some stuff that was from out of province and, uh, out of country, uh, from the States and, you know, it seemed all good, but it's like, well, you know, there's no real, you know, connection there as met this guy. I was like, he's got a workshop and that's what he does. And he's right there. It's just, yeah, it, it builds these fits. custom cedar yeah, it yeah. fits so well. Right. So, and the prices weren't bad and, um, yeah, it seems like, you know, we worked, uh, for like a month into the planning if you know, like the, all the little details before we even went to the drawing table. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of had lots of discussions. And so it seemed like he was, um, like, you know, anal on the details. Yeah. You know, so that felt good to me, but to the point where just like, okay, you're, you're a little bit obsessive, but maybe that's good. Mm-hmm. Not knowing too much, you know, maybe that's good. Maybe that's not we'll see um but do you want a beer yeah that would be good thank you i can't say no that cheers sir Uh, oh yeah on on tape (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, cheers thank you yeah so um but at one point he um um, I, I mean, I looked at in, in into like the whole project, I, I had the numbers set up and that project with, it was actually uh, seven cabins that we were supposed to build. And, um, I looked at the whole numbers and I didn't have, I was tapped out on my resource. It was possible, mm-hmm. but I was tapped out. Like if I, you know, everything went on budget, I was tapped out yeah. like boom. But obviously the the money in from having seven rental cabins in a place like, you know, Yuki, um, Oceanside, you can bring a lot of, yeah, a, a lot of, back it comes back pretty quick. So, or so you'd think. Yeah. All right. So, and then, you know, just talk to some, some fairly experienced people. Um, and one guy challenged me. He was like, you know, have you done your numbers? I'm like, yes, I have. He's like, have you really done your numbers? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was like, have you really, really, really done your numbers? Like, okay, what do you mean? <laughs> He's like, well, you know, you make make sure you 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 count for the rainy day in there, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, okay, sure, okay. Well, just out of the straight, you know, devil's advocate, I'll I'll, I'll do the uh, the the math that uh, when 
Um, one of my, my clients for uh, for my orthotic business is, is a really, really smart lady, um, super smart girl, uh, Melanie Tuck. She owns uh, Collegiate Sports Medicine in Red Deer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a 7,000 square foot uh, uh, sports clinic. It's it's absolutely stunning. Yeah, uh, They do a great job. She's got uh, ATs, uh, physios, uh, there's all sorts of professionals that are affiliated and you know patients that come in for all sorts of things. And anyways, it's a, it's, it's a big practice. And, um, she, uh, just told me straight up, she's like, and, and business, you know, like any business, um, you do your, you do your model, you do your numbers as best as you can, as conservative as you can, you know, like, yeah. okay, this is the scenario that I envision, uh, realistic numbers, not exaggerated, not, you know, realistic numbers and realistic expenses as to the best of your knowledge. And then you double your expenses from those numbers. You double your expenses and you half your income. Yeah. And there's, there's a similar thing we did in the military. So when you're coming up for a plan, whether it's a battle plan or a logistic support plan, you, you have to do, you do your courses of action, which you give, usually give your commander three options for courses of action. And then you have to tell them what is your enemy's most dangerous like your, sorry, your enemy's most likely action. Like, what do you think the enemy's going to do? Yeah. And then what do you think the enemy's most dangerous option is? So that's most dangerous to your plan. And similarly, when you're developing a support plan, which is mostly what I did, is like, what do you think the, like, how do you think the battle's going to unfold most likely? And how does your support plan play into that? And usually that's how your support plan is based. Like, okay, the battle's going to unfold like this, so I'll have resources here. And then what's the most dangerous? What's the worst possible way that the battle could go, in which case your support plan is stretched to the limits or maybe even broken. Right. So that, and that's that's kind of what you have to plan. And then you present the commander that. And then, you know, if you didn't do your planning right, he'll say, well, what happens if the infantry decides to do a flanking? And you're like, oh, shit, I didn't think about a flanking. Yeah. Now we can't support this. And he's yeah. going to say, well, great plan. Go back, you know, because, yeah, you might have predicted the most likely which is great, but if you don't have the most dangerous as well, which is, you know, the same thing we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. It's nothing. Exactly. So he's, you know, you know looking back at, at, at that advice, it's just like, okay, the numbers, it's like, it's simple. It's black and white. It's oh, okay. Like you see it in your face. It's like, okay, you've got, if you take the most likely setup and you double the expenses and half the income. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And does your business still work? Yeah. Like, are you, are you tanked? Mm-hmm. Right. I so, thought it was a, uh, I thought it was a gut instinct from dealing with that guy that you had. It was just that, well, or was that part of it? Or? This, this was like, I did those numbers. And I'm like, well, if those numbers work out that way, then I know I can't support that project. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's going to be, or, you know, of course there's always possibilities, right? Like the, 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 the real estate's there. So there's always a possibility of refinancing this and that and, yeah. you know, or bringing in partners and, and yeah, not you know, ideal though. Not ideal. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, well, a, a good partnership could be a, a, a winner. Right. So it, it's not that I feared that, but I was like, well, it just brings on problems that to me that that project was supposed to be as little input as possible, yeah. you know, from my own time to just set it up. I set it up and it's supposed to be running relatively by itself afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the way that I like to set up projects um, yeah. to like kind of remove myself from the need 
of constantly like I like to work in my projects for fun, but I don't like to need yeah. to to you know have the need of yeah. constantly increasing my own time mm -hmm. to increase my money or the the income that's coming into the business. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just I I, I way think more like passive income versus you know active. Mm -hmm. So. <clears throat> Um, so for this one, so yeah, so it was, that one was the scenario. And then at that point you started to really like almost harass me for, you know, more and more and more and more and more and more. And, and like, then I, like I, I had, I felt the fear. Yeah. I looked at it and I looked at the project. And I'm like, you know, I think I'm just going to take this one step by step. Yeah. So I didn't remove his contract, but I just said, listen, we'll just go one by one. Yeah. One by one. Let's build a cool one. Mm -hmm. You know, so, but what he ended up doing, um, like his setup was a little bit, you know, I had paid a deposit on quite a few. Mm -hmm. So my deposit was more like, you know, a big chunk of just one. Right. Yeah. But it was just a deposit for, for the seven cabins, but it was just, you know, but he hadn't started anything like all we were doing is just like simply at the planning stages where yeah. like the, the plans weren't even drawn. Mm -hmm. So at this point you had money, you know, for very little, for yeah. very little. So I didn't feel too bad about it. I'm like, you know, just like, let's just do it like that. You know, start the project, we build one. If it goes well, we add another one right away. And then, you know, then probably the next five right away. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's just, let's just ease into it so we can at least break ground and make sure that like the project doesn't get shut down for, you know, some unforeseen reason. Like, you know, uh, like we had, uh, there's uh, some, some, uh, concerns for archeological findings, uh, on the lot because, you know, it's yeah. close to an old native burial site, first nations burial site, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, you know, things like that, that don't, didn't happen. Um, but you know, could have been a concern. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I felt like it was a conservative thing and, um, you know, the right thing to do. So, but what ended up happening is like, you know, basically I go you know, fast forward, um, you know, nine months and, uh, he was just like the, the building team was just taking way longer and it started to be really fishy. Yeah. And they, you know, he was asking for more and more money, but somehow like my contract was paid. Like I followed his terms and you know, the contract was paid Yeah. and he's just like fishing for more money and you know, just being really awkward and yeah, without, we, without going like too much more in depth, he basically walked away from it at some point and yes, left, you, yeah, left well, you with the bag in your hands. Well, he just, you know, dropped off the, you yeah. know, dropped off the, 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 the trailer with the, there was about, you know, 30 grand worth of materials missing yeah, and, uh, into the, 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 the package yeah. and, uh, with a lot of things that he didn't have solutions for. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a lot, a lot of big pieces missing, like how the roof attaches to the cabin. Like there's yeah, a pretty yeah. big one. You've this, uh, <laughs> well, you've got this silo, like grain silo, steel roof that, that drops onto this, you know, to this cedar log cabin. Yeah. 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 And, and then, you know, how the, 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 the roof is actually capped and how the, you know, the outside deck attaches to mm -hmm. the actual structure and everything like that. And, you know, there was 
no plan for that for, you know, or no real, uh, there was definitely no parts for it in in the package. So well, good thing you had Will. Will yeah, and, uh, Will and, and Dave. Dave Will time. and Dave. Yeah, yeah super good friends. So when up. when all the the stuff went down, because yeah, basically the, the, this guy was uh, was like, okay, well I'm declaring bankruptcy tomorrow morning, and uh, here you go, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. So, yeah. So I mean, yeah. So it was harsh, it's, right? It's fortunate that like you're a handy enough guy that you were able and and. You know, and you've got these friends that are carpenters and exactly. willing to do the business with you. Yeah, that you're able to put it together, and you now you've got a yurt, yeah. and you've got an awesome property with yeah. five, um, you know, electrical sewer. Yeah, yeah. So we set we set up we set up the whole campground, and uh, so we got you know it, it's, it's six RV sites is what it is, mm-hmm. uh, six service six, RV. Okay. Yeah. So and then plus a cabin, and um, I don't even call it a yurt anymore because it's like. It's such a, it's a round log cabin, but to, yeah. to me, it's like, you know, I, I look at, um, you know, the actual project and it was so like, we, we built something from, you know, not from scratch cause we had a log package, but you know, it was so, uh, so interesting to be able to like, okay, fit, uh, uh, you know, square windows and rectangular windows into like a round building and how to make mm-hmm. that weather, weather tight and, you know, yeah. how to do all the flashings and, you know, how to attach the roof and build that roof package and how to insulate it so it'd meet code. And, yeah. and you know, this, it, we didn't have a, an instruction manual, that's for sure. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff that was, you know, custom pieces that's calling the metal shop and scratching our heads and, and drawing and, and trying to, you know, create these, these custom pieces that would, yeah. you know, put it together. So, so Will and Dave are both kites, kiters as well. And that's right. uh, <laughs> how, how do you, through that process, like how do you manage I mean, I really see kind of three, three things there. There's like, you know, your, your work and your production. Um, and then for you, you're running a, a second business at the time, but then of course you, there's your play and all those guys want to, they're on the West coast. They're going to want to kite. And then there's that, that kind of recharge, you know, recharge period, as well as just kind of that general fuck around where, where everybody gets into that, that hole. I know I do like you, like, okay, I need a even if I come back from an awesome four hour kite, you'd think you'd be super recharged, but sometimes like all I want to do is, you know, watch Netflix for, for 20 minutes and 20 minutes can turn into two hours can turn into whatever. So it's, it's that proportioning that, that work. How, how did you kind of establish that, that balance in your own life? And then with those guys, um, for how much production you did, how much leisure time you had, and then how much, you know, fun you had. Um, I just simply say let's let's work hard and play hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like we work hard and we deserve play. You yeah. know, so if the conditions show up, we're playing. Yeah, right? okay, it's just, just condition dependent. Then. Condition dependent, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I work really good with Dave for that because like Dave has followed a hundred percent his flow line from the get go. Yeah, yeah. Like he's been on a non like I've had a good laugh with him last week about that. He's just like, you know, I've moved to Vancouver Island. I think it was like 2003. That he oh, he's here. a Quebecer as well. Yes, more northern Quebec though, am I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, northwest and a uh, IBCB region. And uh, but he moved to Vancouver Island in 2003, and he's just like, you know, I've been on a non-stop bender of this non-stop chasing weather around and wind <laughs> yeah. and waves around this island for. For years and yeah he's just got this 20 knot rule um you know with all the the work that he's done it's, it's mm-hmm. always been like 
you know, he, he wasn't self-employed, but with, you know, his employer was kind enough to understand that, you know, he's a uber skilled guy, but yeah. if the conditions show up, he's out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just that simple. Yeah. Will's got the same thing now yeah. too with his boss. Exactly. He's like, if it's going, I'm, I'm out. I just, I'm out. Life's too short. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, Will, uh, and maybe Dave, Will is another guy that I want to have that podcast because very different life path from you. Um, but he still manages like Will's the kind of guy that, you know, I, I would say if you're the guy that knows like all these, like the setup for the conditions, Will's the guy that knows like every little spot you can go. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, some does, remote yeah. town in Northern BC, like, Oh, well, if you just hike, you know, drive an hour north of town and hike 20 minutes, there's yeah. this waterfall that drops into this like yeah, yeah. lagoon. And you're like, how do you know this stuff? He's just got <laughs> like every possible adventure. He's just got like the every spot it seems like he's just seen everything yeah you could write yeah. a book yeah you totally. could write a book about yeah. it for sure yeah adventure specialist you know and, mm-hmm. he, and another thing i like about will is uh is he sees a lot of beauty in the world you know oh yeah he sees a ton of beauty and that's really inspiring for me you know it's just like it's so important to be able to see just right there what's in front of you yeah right there like well, it's right the there island where it's just so prolific i mean yeah even well, actually, those, those two days we had where it's you know best kite surfing I've ever had in my life with, the, with those waves, and we were doing those downwinders, and that's the only thing I'm thinking about. Every trip we had, though, we was like, did you see those like sea lions engaging in that behavior? And yeah. then did you see that like eagle eating this marmot? And it's like, no, man, I didn't see any of that stuff. Like, but he's he's just hyper aware of his his surroundings and yeah like you yeah. said the beauty of his surroundings it's, it's an awesome thing to, yeah. to be around because you you, does, you feed off that a little bit oh I for think. sure for sure yeah. for sure i try to like that's the one thing I, I really try to teach my kids you know it's just like where i try to teach adventuring and the fun of life and yeah. the beauty of life hmm. you know because that's the and then having young kids brings me in that space that i can you know time slows down yeah. I can, you know, show them something and, you know, have fun with something. Right. Yeah. And yeah we'll build the sandcastle and, you know, we're going to make an awesome job and then, you know, we're going to take the trucks and destroy it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just super fun. Right. Yeah. Like it's just, it brings you into the completely, you know, in a different sort of speed. Yeah. And I see a lot of people that don't play. And that's one thing I love about these, these sports is that it's, it's a way that socially acceptable for adults to play. And I guess dancing is too. Right. Um, it's because you see a lot of people that they kind of, they stop playing, you know, when they're, you know, in their twenties and like, I would find that that's hard to me because I, I love to play. Oh yeah. I love to oh, play. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I think like, um, I look at my, uh, my parents, have been, uh, I get, uh, you know, I have the ultimate example for, I owe a lot to my parents. We, I didn't talk about my parents at all, but my parents are 70 year old ski bums. Okay. Um, they are super committed to their lifestyle and, uh, that's definitely where, uh, I mean, I, I think where I got my initial passion out of it is by looking at my dad because I had to go to school and he could casually set his week up on Monday mm-hmm. and he, he was, a uh, he wasn't self-employed, but he was a sales rep for, um, industrial valve company. Anyways, he had a, a good uh, client base and, yep. you know, he'd set up his week, but he'd set up for the weather. 
Yeah, okay. about the weather. Yeah, I totally got that from my dad. And, t- and talking about it, it's just like, yeah, I remember like I was like 12 and like kind of pissed off at going at school. And I'm just seeing him doing his phone calls. And he's like, oh, you know, like it's going to be nice. Wednesday's going to be a pretty nice day. You know, they're going to like escape with a couple of boys and go skiing. <laughs> you know? It's like, ah, oh, really? You're going to go skiing? And like, you know, a lot of the times he'd actually take me. And uh, take me out of school, and and you know I'd get to, to to experience that, and you know sometimes he couldn't, but you know so when when he could he could, and uh, and we'd have a lot of fun, and and you know the my my parents retired early, they retired at fifty, and uh, they moved to a ski town, and they now ski they they're complete ass off, like you know my I think my dad's got eighty days of of skiing this winter, wow, yeah. and he's seventy one. Oh, yeah. and, and he nice. skis hard it's not like he skis mellow like i mean i i've done like i i'll, I'll take him down pretty much anything mm-hmm. and you know to a to, to a limit but yeah. you know like the, he can comfortably ski what most 30 year olds will fear mm-hmm. you know and he can comfortably ski it without you know heart palpating too fast you know yeah and he's just gonna have a great time doing it does he embrace the new gear Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. For sure. All the, all the real rippers. Sure. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I bought him a pair of skis this year. I was just like, he's, he was like a, a little bit like outdated, like a few years where he's mm-hmm. like missed a step, you know, he's like, well, I'm perfectly happy with this. Yeah. Like, no, no, you want this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I didn't give him a choice. I went to the ski shop. Like, you, <laughs> this is what you want right here. You know, that's your size. That's your bud. That's the bow. Yeah, that's your yeah, gear. That's the way to do it. Yeah. 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 And he's, he's always like, yeah. Even with the progressive older guys, a lot of times, like if the old style is say longer, yeah, yeah. they'll say, okay, the new guys are on, you know, 160s. It's like, maybe I'll split the difference. Yeah, like, no, yeah. no, go for the 160s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you're no different. Like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. Good, you know? And he just started to really enjoy it this year. He's just like, oh, yeah, you know, like all my friends are falling everywhere. I'm just like, I can hardly feel a leg work. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it's so easy. So, well, uh, hey, actually, like, so speaking of this, um, all like back to the fun stuff. How I got, this is kind of a two-part question. So, how did you either come up or hear about that idea of moving somewhere and then building a lifestyle around that? And then also, why did you choose Vancouver Island? Oh, it was a very black and white decision. Yeah. Um. Well, I spent lots of time in Whistler. Right, I, I lived eight years in Whistler. Okay. And uh, had an amazing time in Whistler. I was super fun. Um. My first business experience, uh, me and and um, and some good good friends, we um, started a ski film company and uh, had quite a few years of, of pretty amazing, you know, uh, traveling for skiing and and uh, you know supported by questionable sponsorship <laughs> sometimes. <but. laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, just like we were did, did it on the budget, you know. Yeah. So, but you know, we had enough budget from the companies to actually like enjoy you know good heli time and Mm -hmm. and uh and ski the optimal like that was really really uh spectacular there's like lots of really good days i'll I'll show you the uh if anybody's interested um yeah i can can put a link to it in the in the podcast site i'm not even sure we have still have a website up it used to be called pimp and frogs productions (laughs) pimp and frogs yeah frogs with a z pimp and frogs productions and it was uh myself uh, Pierre Vablan and Thomas Chamberlain, and uh, you know, uh, Pierre Yves is still very active in the ski world. Okay. And uh, who'd you ski for? Rossignol. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're still on Rosie here? No. No, oh, oddly no. enough, no, I, have, I was on Rosie for years and years and years, and I've uh, never been a Solomon guy. And then somehow I uh, I looked at the ski in the ski shop. Like now I just obviously I purchased my gear. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I just looked at this ski and like, you know, I, I, this looks like a lot of fun. I'm going to try it. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, I jumped ship and, you know, <laughs> I, I, I ski Solomon skis now. I got this, but, you know. It's all good. I yeah, mean, yeah. It's, it's just a matter of whatever products out there that yeah. I feel like riding now, and, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, I was on Rosingle skis for years. Oh yeah. So, so anyway, so, you were you went you were in Whistler. Yeah. So I was in Whistler, and uh, um, you know, personal injuries is why I got out of Whistler. Okay. Is, uh, and the fear of one one day, uh, you know, because I'm a really competitive guy, and the crew in Whistler is is is. Um, can I say that it's a, it's a very very intense energy, of of uh, really high profile athletes that people that just really push that whole concept of yeah. like you 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 do you live for your sport right it's a, it's your lifestyle but you really fucking go for it yeah you know so it's like the top level of that lifestyle, and you put a bunch of people that are like minded, and then you've got ultimate progression that happens Mm -hmm. and that also comes with a lot of accidents that can happen uh, as you're, as you're pushing yourself. So for myself, it was, uh, um, you know, I I had, I struggled with, uh, with knee injuries. Um, I, you know, through, through those years I had like, you know, I suffered a back, uh, you know, a back, uh, injury, uh, multiple knee injuries, and uh an arm at one point and uh and finally what finished it in, in 2004 was my Achilles tendon I snapped my Achilles tendon uh in the backcountry um outside of Pemberton and um I, you know it was a bit of a, a shock like you know like recovering from that I was just like okay like where do I go from here mm-hmm. like my body cannot really handle what I'm throwing at it and you know, my eyesight may be a limitation that is actually a handicap and puts me in a greater danger than other other friends that I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pushing the sport with. Um, you know, just low light stuff and, and, you know, not being able to see 100% that perception. And, and you know, I, it, it, at that speed, the, the margin is little. Yeah. So I had to look at my weaknesses and see like, okay, you know, is this something that I can keep pursuing? Yeah. Is there a future? Is and there a like future? What you said is progression, right? Yeah. Like you, you would be happy staying where you were. You wanted to get better. Exactly. I wanted to get better. And I mean, you know, I got to a level that I felt like perhaps that's the top for my body. Yeah. You know, that I, that's the top that I can do for the, for this sport. Right. Like, uh, you know, every time I try to push past that, I get hurt. Yeah. And it's a mature thing to think. I, yeah. I, yeah. I well, the self-preservation, you know, mm-hmm. kicks in, right? Cause you're like, well, you know, like every time that I get hurt, it's, it's like, it's a six month to a year recovery, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, you're always fighting an injury in a recovery. It's, it's just a vicious cycle. So, um, no matter how much like you, you work out at it, I mean, I had a, a pretty aggressive workout program and you know, got myself in extremely physical shape, like, like good physical shape. Like look at, you know, I'd look at my body and be like, I'm in really good physical shape, but I hurt like hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I still do. Right. Like still, still really hurt. Like every day I, I can feel those days. Right. Mm. So, um, 
so that worked into okay like I, I felt like I had a feeling of if I like again I come back to the gut like I had a gut feeling like if I keep doing this I'm gonna kill myself yeah right I've had quite a few friends pass over the years mm-hmm. doing that um, and following their love for the sport uh, you know I've had a couple of close calls and it was like well do I really feel uh, yeah I was uneasy about it so and uh, I kind of want to again it, it accumulated to uh, you know my friend Mike and talking about the real estate I felt like I missed the boat in Whistler and I couldn't invest and everything was past you know the prime mm-hmm. the, the the price range was too too far out of reach for for yeah. me to start so uh, I moved to Fernie and um, I thought Fernie was going to be a good place for for me to uh, to actually invest in a place because it seems like it was it was up and coming it was close enough to a city and it seemed like a good place to open a business. And okay. I was doing, uh, I was doing some, some ski boot fitting in, in, uh, in Whistler and I saw a really niche, but really big market for it. Um, ski boots are uncomfortable Yeah. and I know how to make a really good performing, but comfortable ski boot. Um, so, you know, I've got uh, had the skills to do that to mold plastic and to to you know create uh, footbeds for the ski boot you know that would stabilize the foot and right. and then how to accommodate for the foot deformities or, or foot you know weird growth that people have right yeah so and then just how to make it like so you know it's properly matched for the performance level of the certain skier like I've got a a, a pretty good methodology for for matching um, the right ski boot for to to the right type of foot and the right type of skier. Right. So I wanted to open a, a custom ski boot fitting service. So I found a ski shop through a, a trip that I did, found a ski shop that wanted to open a service. And I was just like, I'll run the service. It'll be my business into your. So I just came out and did a proposal. and just like, you know, if this is what you want to do, then I can run the service for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I purchased a, uh, uh, my first Amfit machine, which is a, a, an orthotic building system. Okay. Um, which works good for a ski boots. So, and I just did the move. I was like, I'm going to run this, uh, a ski boot fitting service in the ski shop called the guide Sot and, uh, and Fernie. And, uh, and that, that actually took off really good. That was a super successful service. Um, you know, it ran good. It was good numbers for the shop. And, um, I think, I think that's, that's a really interesting thing to me. Um, and I, I, w- I definitely want to go back to this, this story, but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people out there that have that idea. They have that skill, that one thing that separates them from everybody else, but they just don't take that step. They're not willing to quit their job and say, and, and approach that ski shop and be like, I can do this because it is a risk. And, uh, you know, the- but what is the risk though? Think about it. Like your only risk is you're going to better your life or you're going to enrich it from the stuff that you're going to learn. Mm-hmm. You're going to try something different, you know, like your only risk is you're going to eat peanut butter for a while. Yeah. No, I, 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 I <laughs> totally know? agree. I, 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 and I think, you know, there's, when I was getting out of the military, I read, uh, some stuff from this guy, Seneca, he's a pretty famous stoic. And he has this idea that you should practice poverty, that every, every month you should take two days and live like you're completely destitute, like only eat rice where clothes from goodwill and just practice the absolute worst case and tell yourself that this is the worst case. So 
if this is the absolute worst thing that could happen to me, and which it is in Canada, right? Like you're not going to you're from not going to die from poverty in yeah, Canada. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're just going to eat poorly and dress poorly. Really, realistically, you're still going to when you sleep. Does it matter if your sheets are made of silk or cotton? Yeah. You know. Um, so food I said, why, why should I not? <laughs> yeah, you, know, like you could probably actually find some decent food in there. Yeah, so options, you know? especially here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, he basically said like practice that. And, and then you'll, you'll come to take more risks to pursue the things that you're passionate about. And so that was a, a big part of me leaving the military to pursue yeah. the business I have now. Yeah. Um, that's and, like and, the go daddy guy. Oh, what's that? I've never heard of him. Uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the guy that, uh, founded go daddy, he, um, made money in a business and he made something like $35 million, right? Like that mm-hmm. was like a, in the mid nineties sort of thing. Okay. And then dot com boom came along and he started GoDaddy, and he just, it burned through tons and tons of cash. And it was just like, you know, and every time it, it was like stepped down to like 12 million, he'd be like, okay, well, I'm just going to stop at 8 million. And I'm going to stop at 7 million. And, you know, like it just kept sinking money and money into this, you know, money pit. And uh, at six million, I guess he like stopped and uh, and it's just like, okay, I'm going to run. I'm going to just shut her down because it's just like I got six million left and six million dollars. Pretty good. Like especially, you know, 20 years ago, it's like I got six million bucks. I'm going to retire comfortably. Okay, that didn't work, whatever. Mm -hmm. But he is trying to like save money and just invest it properly or something as he was like taking this like big long holiday. And, uh, I guess that like he had this epiphany of realizing like how miserable he was with these 6 million bucks. And then just seeing these like kids and, uh, on the street, like completely poor people, but having a blast at something that they were doing on the beach. I can't remember the whole story, but mm-hmm. it was like the, the moment of epiphany yeah. where he's just like looking at these completely broke people just smiling and he's like you know what like fuck it he's like i'm gonna go back and i'm all in i'm all in and if i burn through it all burn through it all whatever worst comes worst comes to worst i'm right back here with these people and i'll actually be happy yeah you know and then i guess like it was like two years later where like it completely took off and like it wasn't that long after that that he sold the whole thing for I can't remember. It was like something like six billion. Yeah, six billion. Well, GoDaddy's huge now. Yeah, yeah. he sold yeah for six billion, but he he kept like like thirty five percent as passive. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Well, yeah. And actually, <laughs> you know, if there's one regret I have with with my business, it's not going more more all in. Yeah. Um. Now I'm moving on, as you know, to to an engineering job in Victoria, which I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about. And I see a big future for me in that. But, yeah. but with this kite surfing thing, like I really built that business to be, I don't know how, like really easy to get out of everything I purchased was really easy to liquidate. And I, yeah. I there's, there could have been some things that I changed about the concept of the business. If I was willing to really put more of my nest egg that I had accumulated in, because I was a pretty cautious and, you know, invested you know, reasonably well in real estate and stuff like that yeah, when I was yeah, in the yeah. military. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I could have put a lot more in. And I, I'm kind of glad I I'm glad I didn't now, but I I, I probably um it would have been different if I did. And I, I think I should in the future I'm taking that forward is is going 
not necessarily going all in, but putting, well, actually, although I should go all in, you know, it should be something where everything you do, you know, at, at some point you got to be willing to push, push your chips in or else why are you doing it? I don't know if that's, that's a, a real lesson or not. Is it something it's, I'm going to think about? It's something that I, I believe that if you're passionate enough about it, like for me, when I go all in, it's like, it still has to be feel comfortable, right? Yeah. Like, is it like if, if the risk outweighs the reward, then it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's still going to be a good bet. It's got to be, it's got to be a good bet. Right. So it's just like, you know, so good to go back on that project. Like, you know, if I was like, I can risk it all and then just put like, you know, mm-hmm. these seven cabins, well, that would have been a bad call Yeah. for that given setup because it's a gut scenario. So it's not like, you have to go all in uh, to me. I don't think it's all in at all times. Mm-hmm. It's like, but the, these moments of like commitment. Yeah. It's like these moments of commitment. It's like that. Okay. I've got like where, when it matters, that's yeah. a timing thing. It's like, you know, if I, if I'm committed to a sales call, well, yeah, you know, if I have to do it, uh, like, you know, it's yeah. it's easy to make excuses to kind of back out of it, right? Mm-hmm. But that's the moment where it truly matters to me. It's just like, no, like the fear is there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The fear is there. Like every time, uh, like I hate cold calling. I hate that shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hate it 100%. Yeah. I hate it. Um, it's something that makes me feel extremely uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? But like I was try- trying to teach that to... uh to uh to to someone um that i've worked with and uh i realized that that someone was just wasn't the right person to work with at that point because he's just like like so you know on a touch base i'm like so have you tried that that concept you tried like pushing yourself past the comfort zone like be like okay like i don't like to to do these cold calls and i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i'm gonna like approach this new business and see if just straight up ask for a new business Mm mm-hmm and it's like, well, no, you know, like I, I haven't really, I haven't done really anything because I found out like I'm not really good at it. It's like, well, <laughs> you're not going to be better at it if you don't try. Yeah. Like I used to suck at it. I had these like, extremely like uncomfortable moments doing cold calls. Yeah. Like, like shaking when I hung up the phone, you yeah, know, yeah. like so uncomfortable. Like, oh my God, did I ever blow this one? Like, <laughs> you know, but yeah. you know, it's just like, like sometimes, uh, and it's that, not even logical, right? Like it goes back to that. I love thinking about things in evolutionary terms and going back to, you know, if you were in a tribe of 50 to 150 people, which is what we've kind of, people say we've evolved to, yeah. uh, into that and you engage in like a really poor, uh, interaction with somebody. So some sort of like a cold call scenario where you're trying to kind of convince somebody to do something and it goes bad Yeah. in a small tribe that could be disastrous. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas it's not a, it's not a realistic, it's not a good impulse now because if you blow a sales call, whatever, like yeah. there's so many other people that are going to buy your product that it doesn't matter these days. Just, same with like, with, with that fear with guys have with talking to girls. It's like, you have this immense fear of approaching a girl in a bar. I mean, most of us do, but What's the worst that could happen? Tells That's you to right. fuck off and you do. <laughs> like, it's not, <laughs> but in a tribe of, you know, 50 to 100 people, 
where there's maybe 10 women that are, you know, of your age group, you messed up with one and she gossips to the other ones, your genetics are not being furthered on. Like you are but donezo. That's kind of what happens in school though, right? Like it's like, you know, you've got yeah, all the, yeah. the, the, the kids are, are put into this sort of pressure like mm-hmm. from, from early on. Cause like you've got like the kids that are in your class or in your age group. Right. And yeah, that's kind of it. So, you know, then there's going to be a lot of gossiping and a lot of, you know, something gets out of hand quickly, mm-hmm. especially these days with Facebook and, and yeah. you know, social media. Uh, yeah, even before you I know? get the gossip is there. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why high school is like, it's, it's a, such a, it's a, place it's a to hard be. time, but it's also that time where people reflect so, so much on because it is the maybe most representative of that kind of tribal environment that we're perhaps evolved for. Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. I found it harsh. I didn't, I, I, yeah. I mean, there was, there was some positive things about it, but you know, I, I found that like the, the, you know, the judgment, the judgmental stage of, of different kids was like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, just I'm gonna just do my thing. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't enjoy my time in high school either. No, yeah. no, it wasn't really. Uh, you know, wasn't really my my cup of tea. Yeah, you know, it was especially as a teenager because it's kind of like a a naturally rebellious time that you're finding yourself, right? And if you're not a follower, then you're not really gonna be associating yourself with whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I found a lot of the people that were they kind of labeled themselves as the biggest rebels were actually the biggest followers. They were just kind of following that the very cliched rebellious trends of the time. Right. And right. If you didn't fit into the rebellious group, yeah. then yeah. If you just kind of marched to your own drum and, and tried to do your best at things. And that was, it was seen as you know, you're outside of the group. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, it's this like, you know, kind of need of acceptance mm-hmm. that, um, I don't know. I, I, I fear for that time for my kids. Cause it's like, you know, you want, obviously you want the best for your kids, but yeah. you know, it's, it's like, I see the, the, you know, stuff that I had to go through and that my wife had to go through and we both had similar experiences. So we were both like slight outcasts, Yeah, you know, at the time anyways. Um, you know, and I, I just, yeah, there's the, yeah, this is, this is a challenging time. So I think I'm going to cross that bridge when I get there, mm-hmm. but, um, hopefully, you know, just teach them enough good things and, and enough, uh, have the, the open resources. They can always talk to us, have yeah. the open conversation. I think that's the, the way to go. But like, you know, I'm looking at, at the whole thing, like every day I learn as a parent. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a journey that, Never ends. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so so yeah, I want to I want to jump back. So where you were at, uh, you were building these custom ski boots out of this shop, and it, that was kind of your first, or at least from what I know, your first kind of sole proprietorship business. Yeah, yeah, it um, was. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was still operating under somebody else's flag, though. Yeah. You know, so uh, my first, uh, so how that worked into my foot orthotic manufacturing business is because I simply. It, it was out of a need. I, I simply worked myself into a position where I was in demand and it was myself that was in demand yeah. constantly, constantly, constantly. So, so like my appointment book was full, but it's always me that they want to see. So I found it really draining mm-hmm. and, uh, and the schedule would be really draining too. Cause like I, you know, I 
set it up so obviously I could ski. That was the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> so I would never work before three o'clock in the afternoon so I could ski all day Man. You know, and catch the goods and then come in and then people, it would work perfect because people come off the hill and, you know, then they have problems and then, you know, they want to talk about it and we can fix the problems and blah, blah, blah. So, um, so they'd come into the shop from three to nine. Yeah. And then, you know, from nine to whenever I was done, I'd do the tech work. Yeah. Just all the plastic quantifications or whatever I needed to do. So, um, and build the, build the orthotics and, and, and insoles at the time I was just doing custom insoles. Those are full days. Those are full days. Yeah. yeah. So, so like I worked myself into like, okay, I'm super tired. Cause I obviously that good day would come and I'd ski full. Yeah. Like I'd just do the full day and then, <laughs> I'd, you know, I'd come back after like, you know, sled skiing for four or five hours mm-hmm. and then just have to pull off a big shift and be out of the shop by midnight or one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, and then just like, just like the season gets really draining. Mm-hmm. So I basically, and then I was really tired of hearing people complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So straight up, like I burnt myself out on seeing people. So, um, I thought about it as like, okay, I like the tech work at night. Mm-hmm. I like to do that. I like to just put on my headphones, listen to music and do my tech work. Yeah. So why don't I just do that? And then. You know, a lot, of, a lot of uh, professionals in town were starting to refer me people for custom orthotics. Okay. And um, I didn't quite feel comfortable with it because I didn't have the the full certifications at the time, and and you know my knowledge was good for the foot, was very good for mm-hmm. working within the ski boot environment. But when you're talking about working through the phase of gait, through running and everything, I didn't have the knowledge that I needed. Yeah. So I started to, so I just, I, I took a, a week off. And, uh, in, uh, 2007 and, uh, I took a week off and went tra- with my friend Mike again. Okay. So, yeah. So we just took a week off to look at real estate a little bit all over. And it was just a, a chilling week of just, you know, shooting the shit and drinking a few beers. And, uh, and, uh, at the end of the week, so we just talked about stupid business, anything that would, that would pop through our heads, we'd write it down, you know? Yeah. How about this? How about that? How about this? It was just like a brainstorming week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just lucky that I had him at that time to, to actually, you know, exchange these ideas with. Yeah. Um, and he's always been really good for that. It's just like, it's amazing. Like, you know, can talk about whatever. So there's no stupid ideas, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's good. So, um, um, so I, uh, I, like at the end of the week, I remember I had like this epiphany of like, how about like I set up the scanner that I've got, but I set it up into a doctor's office and then, you know, they can do the scans. They can do the assessment of the client and simply send me the scans and I'll do the manufacturing. And then if that works, I can set up another clinic and another clinic. Like, Oh, I started doing the numbers. I'm like, bingo. And we wrote it down in five minutes on a piece of paper. Yeah. That's exactly how I do my business now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. There's been a lot of complications along the way and a lot of like yeah. tried, like, you know, I, I went off the path a little bit and back onto it and off the path a little bit. And, yeah. You know, like any, but more or less business, that's your plan. More, more or less. That's the way it works now. And that's the way that still the most successful accounts run. It's like, you know, that's based on that piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I just started and it took four years of, negative cash flow 
you know, mm. uh, four years of like, I just kind of remortgaged my house. I yeah. did a couple of things, you know, you went all in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It was the, the risk that like, got progressively more and more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point I just looked back and it was like, Oh my God, like, it, okay. It's actually like something mm-hmm. like, but it happened really gradual. It wasn't like overnight, like I got an account that changed everything. It was just like, yeah, you know, kind of gradual, lots of steps along the way, lots of mistakes and just good learning for sure. Great learning. So, and then Peak Orthotics grew to a certain stage and yeah, and, you know, it just hasn't really stopped growing. Um, it's been a slow growth, but yeah. you know, control growth. And recently I, I, I went back to the, uh, the, the one-on-one um approach you know i was talking to one of my uh clients that have been doing business for a long time um kootenai athletic therapy in nelson uh we've been working together for uh, like 10 years okay yeah um and uh you know she she's in the position where uh, she can hire you know or get get into a partnership with somebody else right Mm -hmm. so uh uh, you know, we're chatting a little bit more business like this. Obviously we've developed a good friendship over the years. And, uh, she's like, you know, like you're, you're biz- like, you're just, you excel at being like the micro brewery of orthotics. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's the perfect niche for you. It's like the, you know, you've got the small clinics and how to set up the small clinics just dialed. Because right, you got the whole support structure, the the you know the, everything that's there, that's the the the, the training tools, that everything's there to to take that that practitioner to the next level into this you know with regards to servicing rehab orthotics. Yeah. So uh, so I was like, oh, that, that, great, thanks that you're reminding me this. You know, that's okay. So, but yeah, recently because we chatted about this and I, I made the call of just, instead of looking for the big fish, I simply look for the, the, the small niche clinic here and there. And, you know, like make sure that more of their vision matches ours and then the visions right. are matched. So it's a really, really targeted marketing. So there's no Facebook ads or anything like that. Cause they can help me. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's straight up. Like I have to approach them. I do the research and I approach them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did that, how did this all land you on Vancouver Island? Um, Hmm. I discovered kite surfing. <laughs> yeah. I discovered kite surfing in like Oh nine. And, uh, you know, there's like, I've skied like a lot, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. a, like thousands of days. And uh, it's just a new feeling, and you know, it was a super cool sport. And, um, you know, uh, I, I met my wife um, on a kite surfing trip in, in on the Oregon coast. And, uh, you know, we came to the island together on a trip. We went to Nimkish on that trip. Oh, yeah. Um, Up at the old that. Yeah, up at the old site, up at the Kish. And we had a great time. It was uh, super fun. Um, and uh, it, um, it, just, it was one of the places that was really fun. We lived in the Kootenays together for, for a couple of years. And, um, but we did, we did the, the, 
you know, a lot of trips to the Oregon coast and this and that for, you know, uh, keeping our, our kite surfing alive. And, um, uh, we were living on an acreage outside of Fernie and, um, which worked great for me, but not as good for her. She thought it was pretty remote, but for me, yeah. like, you know, if I'm in a place that I can start my, my dirt bike, like right from the garage and go for a rip and, you know, go for like an hour, single track right off the backyard. I was pretty yeah. stoked, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I, I like the, the, the throttle for sure. And off-road throttling is, is pretty fun. So, uh, so yeah, I really got into dirt biking out there and it's just like the, the, you know, the setup was really good. Um, access to wilderness was instant. So, um, I dug that, but, um, when our son came along in the picture, like, so, um, she got pregnant and then, she, you know, her natural, like mom had, is just like, is this the place where I want to raise a family? Okay. And you know, she was straight up about it. Like, you know, it's too remote, it's too remote, too remote. Like, oh, really? Uh, I like it, but I guess okay. You know, like it's it's a, it's a team sport, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like everybody's gonna everybody's gonna win. So at at, at that point, it, it felt like I had to do a compromise. And uh, so I'm like, well, you know what? Like I've always missed the coast because been you know living in Whistler and always missed it. I wouldn't mind going back to the coast, uh, but let's just take every single town. And just do devil's advocate, do all our priorities, like for business, for this, that, like business growth, uh, real estate, opportunities, um, lifestyle, uh, sports, kite surfing, skiing, blah, 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 mm. uh, school for the kids, uh, et cetera. Like just put it all as, as criteria on the sheet and then put all the towns and see, you know, which towns matches our, our criteria. So I pretty much put like every single town in BC inside of Alberta, yeah. like just out of straight, like, you know, devil's advocate. I knew I wasn't going to move to Calgary, but, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's just not my style, but you know, I'm just not a city guy. And yeah. I wouldn't live happily in that setup. Um, so, uh, you know, the funny thing is I didn't really think about Courtney until I saw all the dots actually match. Mm. Like, Oh, this is interesting. Courtney, like I've, I've been here before, you know, I kited the spit, um, yeah. you know, uh, two times. And I thought it was pretty. I knew Mount Washington was a good hill. Yeah. I knew I knew some stuff about it, but not like a lot. So I did a bunch more research, and uh, we ended up taking three trips here. And just then the second, the the last two trips, we were looking at properties, and you know found this place, and it was like a complete gong show. It was like so overgrown, ridiculously overgrown. And, uh, but it kept popping in my system cause it was like an, I was looking for an acre, like an acre, at least an acre of land to build yeah. a shop, to be able to, to do my business. Um, my business has this amazing advantage of being movable cause it's a manufacturing service. Yeah. Yeah. Because you've divorced yourself from meeting with the clients. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we can be anywhere. And you know, as long as I can be in a spot to actually travel, and that's one of the things that was attractive about the, the Comox airports right here. Yeah. And I could travel to Calgary pretty easy and do do my my business in the city. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So anyway, so that's a long story, but yeah. So that's what got us here. And then we found this place, and I knew I could, I knew it was going to be a big project, but I knew it was like, oh my god, this is going to be really worth it, you know? Yeah. If we're going to have to move, I don't want to just buy whatever place. I want to get like this project, and it's going to be 
like something else, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then sure enough, because like it was a complete diamond in the rough. Like it literally, it was. It was on the market for two and a half years. Mm. Anybody could have snagged it. I find it hard to even imagine now because you've got it to the point where it's like, well, yeah, there's like a beautiful cedar steps going down, uh, going down the hill to the ocean where you've got your yurt and. You know, yeah, beautiful ocean view from from up top or below. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I, you I couldn't kinda, even see the water. Yeah, just completely. Overgrown. You couldn't walk to the bottom. You couldn't do anything. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like it was completely overgrown. It was like yeah. so tight. I mean, two little pockets of light, um, but it was an acre ocean front within like our boundaries uh, mm-hmm. of, of like how close we were we wanted to be from town. Yeah, we've well, struck a good balance here. It doesn't seem unnatural. Like it mm-hmm. seems like it's natural growth. You know, it doesn't. Does it feel like it's a hyper manicured, yeah, place? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's well, it's you know, we keep working at it like through yeah. over the years, right? No another so, beer. No, I'm good. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, good. I still sip on your way here, uh, but um, yeah, I mean, the, this place of so how we did it was like we moved in, and I couldn't even drive my truck down. It was, and the tree job was so big that I just hired the crew right away. I'm like, so I I, I called the crew. And within like a few days, we had um, four guys climbing trees and dropping branches and, you know, like working on the parking area so we could actually park here. And then I had, then, you know, we had the two days where we dropped the branches to open up the view. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty simple. It's like we we live high bank. So, you know, the the trees at the bottom get a haircut from the top, the trees in the middle uh, get, you know, kind of windowed or, or something. We just like thin them out. Right. We had to drop very few trees. You know, there's just a few hazardous trees that we had that were too close to the house and, and things that were really making it seem more cluttered. Yeah. Um, but kept all the big, beautiful trees and, uh, just were able to just open up that view. And when that view was open, I was just like, I could not believe my eyes, Greg. I was just like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding. Like I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. Oh, yeah. So a bit of luck too. A bit of luck for sure. Yeah. I, like I, I was looking at it on Google Earth to try to figure out like from where to where we could see. But what I didn't realize is that this lot's actually on a bit of a point. So we have two little gullies on each side of the point where like I've got the the deck built up on the, on the mm-hmm. platform, kind of eagle's perch there. Yep. Um, so I didn't realize that from that point, like if you're on a point and you open up the view, everything's panoramic. If you're in a bay and you open up the view, it, it's going to be a lot more work to get that little bit of a sliver of view. Yeah. Right. And so we've got that, you know, position here where like you open up the view and it's just like, oh my God. Like just, you know, we can see for 120 kilometers of BC's mainland, mm-hmm. the coast from here. It's amazing. It's just like this is the greatest sunrise you can wake up to. Yeah. You know, it's just every day I pinch myself, like literally. It was just like, oh my God, like wow. So yeah. cool. It's the best place for coffee ever. Yeah. It's, actually, <laughs> it's funny because like Courtney, the Comox Valley doesn't have like that destination appeal to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I was with Karen when, when we moved out here and, uh, you know, we kind of stumbled across it the same way. We decided we wanted to move to Vancouver Island yeah. because of all that it had to offer. Um, but we didn't even have Comox on the list because it was a military town. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I was in the army, so I had this perception of like army towns being holes. Yeah. So I, I kind of 
had that biased view, like, no, we're not going to move to a military town. That's that chapter of our life is done. Yeah. And as we were looking at a bunch of other places on Vancouver Island, we came to here and we're visiting a friend here and stayed with them for just a day on our way through. And we're like, looked at our list of what we we're looking for. And it's just like, check, 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 check. Yeah, it's yeah. like, why wasn't this on our list? And you know, every other place was slightly disappointing. Um, it, you know, it just had that one, one or two critical factors kind of missing. Yeah. And here was just everything. It just checked all our boxes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's Victoria amazing was amazing too, but it was just the, the real estate pricing was, was yeah. already, you know, topping out at that point. Yeah. Um, so, well, it's, yeah. And this place is getting discovered now too, right? So it's, yeah. Like, I think it's in, in, inevitable just because of the, the actual quality, right? Yeah. Like it's the, the quality of all the, the recre recreational opportunities here is just like, oh my God. Like it's, it's an unreal place to live. Mm -hmm. That place offers absolutely everything. You know what I mean? You yeah. be like, you could be fishing, you could be skiing, um, beautiful spring snow and, uh, you know, by midday and you're going to be going down and you can play nine holes of golf and you can go fish for the evening. Yeah. Like what other place can you do that? Yeah, like, I mean, especially now as our population's aging, it's just going to become more attractive, I think. Yeah, it, it, it just is right. Like it's just, uh, uh, you know, the community is big enough to support all sorts of every service that you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't so, think of any place in Canada where I'd rather be like, it's pretty much. I mean, yeah. The island is, is great in general, but here it's pretty great much, in central. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so people ask me like, Oh, how do you deal with the rain? Uh, I, I, I deal with it. <laughs> I'd rather have like a little bit of rain in the winter than, you know, and, and go up to snow and ski snow on the mountain than, than, uh, mm -hmm. than deal with like minus thirties and, and <laughs> yeah, you know, although, you know, it was a bit hard on me last, last, this last summer or this last winter, I didn't get away for a trip. Whereas the previous one I went, I went to Thailand and caught, taught kiting in Thailand for a month. Yeah. And that made a big difference. Getting, taking, the, the 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 kind of the gloominess did did kind of get on me that whole seasonal did affective it? disorder uh, yeah yeah I mean, it built up personally it's just say. like that's the the prime storm action for me is is like such good times though because eh? like you know we it go, is for sure yeah, we go we go from kite surfing waves um you know i really enjoy salmon point here and you know it's just like wow it's epic it's great waves like right mm. you know like on any good storm it'll like build up good swell and um and, uh, you know, you being a skier too, and, and I like snowmobiling. So, um, there's, there's been quite a few days where it's just like back to back to back to back to like, you know, this crazy shift of like, okay, like you go, you know, we've had some weeks where it was just like three days of snowmobiling, two days of ski touring and two days of kiting. And like, yeah. oh my God, how can I work? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that was the gloomiest time. It was like, how do you deal with the rain? Well, yeah, I don't know. I, like when I'm on the water, I, I I'm wet. <laughs> I don't care. Well, I, I think it's more than just the, the rain. It's the lack of sun that, that yeah. hurts people. Like for yeah. me, yeah, it is. for me being a kiter, it, it kind of gave me some perspective on that where I would actually look forward to the worst days because those, those days are, are blowing. Whereas if I wasn't a kiter, if I was only doing if I was waiting for only the nice weather to do my sports, it'd be really hard. And I, yeah. the, the way I kind of thought about it too, and you know, um, I was talking to this girl who, who loves the, the weather here. And she was talking about how, when she was a kid, whenever it was raining, her parents would take her out and they would play in the rain. 
So she just that has that different mentality, even yeah, though she's, she's not into any extreme sports. Whenever it's raining, she thinks about that as playtime. Yeah. And, you know, that's just, I don't know if I did or did not have that, but I don't think about the rain as playtime. But now, now I do because I'm kiting. So I think that could be an important thing yeah. for people to just have something when it is that gloomy weather, like something that you're excited about. Totally. Whether it's just like, oh, every time it, it has that super storm, I'm going to like, you know, eat a chocolate bar and watch Netflix, if you, even if you're not athletic at all. But to have something that you look forward to when it's that really shitty time is is got to be nice. But, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But I, I, I negotiated um, in, my, in my new job to get uh, more time off just because I know I want that, that little bit of escape to sunshine yeah. in, to break up the winter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a bad thing to have more sun, that's for sure. But I mean, like, you know, like we, we just get, you know, this time of year, it's like, it's ridiculous. It's like we live in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> no, nothing so, can beat the summers here. Yeah. No, not too bad. Not too bad. Not too shabby. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what, uh, what more to, to say to than it's, it's like pretty, pretty epic times and, uh, um, you know, like personally, I think that ha- try, trying to have the most fun and, you know, keeping the balance between um, fun and progress, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, and making them work together. Yeah. Right? So I think that's kind of kind of where I stand, right? So. Yeah. Um, well, man, it, it was great, yeah. great hearing about your perspective on these things. And uh, the one thing, I mean, I mean, of course, I'm going to listen to this through editing it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the one thing I'm, I'm definitely going to take away from this is that that doing the most difficult thing of your day first um i already kind of have it's this little, little morning routine yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I do my my priority list but i i'm going to be more diligent about taking that absolute not necessarily more um difficult thing but the thing that kind of gives me the most fear yeah which is probably the most important thing the thing that i've been putting off to do that first when yeah. i have all that that decision bank that kind of mental energy is full in the morning yeah and get that knocked off and i think it's your most vital yeah. priority you have to be able to like know that this is what makes you stand out you know mm-hmm. this is what that 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 one function that makes you you know, for me, like if, if I look at how I function, I like, I, I look at both my businesses and I, you know, look at, this is basically three priorities in life. I've got my family life yeah, and which I called, uh, it's literally split them into like family and fun. So family and fun is the one section mm-hmm. and then the one business wild Pacific camp and the one business peak orthotics and I do not really a to-do list, but a, a, a list of like what is important, important steps to do. Yeah. Right. Important steps to do. So then I, I'll, I'll go into actually break it down into baby steps, you know, like yeah, yeah. otherwise it's like, well, how are you going to achieve that? Right. So it's just like more like a goal than baby steps. So I've got a sheet for the baby steps. Right. Mm-hmm. And you write um, this out by hand. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah always, always. And I like to do on, on, on Sundays too, because like that way you get a, a bit ahead of the game, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like a weekly so, thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a weekly, but it, it, it doesn't start from scratch. It's more like an evolving list. Right. It's, it's just, a, it never stops. And you kind of check in every morning with it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, typically the night before, so I know what I'm getting into. Okay. Well, uh, you know, or if like it, 
you know, then I'll, I'll line up the weather and then like line up the priority list kind of thing. And right. Yeah. And yeah. It's just like, but w- what's most important here is what I think makes a di- the biggest difference is like, is you've got the, the three aspects of life that are the most important. And I know w- what separates me, like what makes what stuff I can subcontract and I don't shine at anymore, any more than anybody else would. Yeah. And then there's stuff that I shine at. So that's usually what I try to like keep my time at. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, you know, my organizational skills are good. Mm-hmm. Like I know I can organize something and prioritize it. So like I'll, I'll actually, I want to, maybe I'm a control freak, but I want to do that list myself. Yeah. I wouldn't feel good into like, you know, showing up to a day that's already done for me. You know, it's just like, no, I, I need to set up myself. So it's like, uh, I'll see which priorities is like, okay, that's the most important thing that I got to do. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's going to make this progress, you know, and circle it MVP. Boom. Yeah. That's the MVP. That's the goal that that's, it's just like knowing what makes the difference. All the yeah. rest is just frou-frou, mm-hmm. you know. And if you can get that win first thing in the morning, it kind of sets you up for success for the rest of the day. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So, um, but, you know, I'm an evening worker as well. So sometimes I'll work, like, really well on MVPs at night when the kids go to bed. Yeah. You know, I've got quiet. The whole house is quiet. I was just, like, mess around and I can have quiet time on the computer. Sometimes in the daytime, like, I'll feel like I'm wasting my time where it's actually nice out. Mm. I'll be like, ah, you know, I get handsy and then I don't work well. Yeah. So it's whenever I can get a time of focus, right? But like, I'll just focus on the MVPs. Every week's different. Yeah. Well, um, that's another thing I'll try to cultivate a little bit more, and is kind of trying to isolate those times that I have that that focus, and rather yeah. than wasting that potential on, you know, doing nothing, taking the evening off. It's yeah. just like, yeah, like you know what? I've got some energy right now. Yeah. There's nothing nothing going on the for sure the surf's not not lighted lit up so why don't i why don't i get some production for sure production done yeah a couple of things i i should add not not that i i don't want to brag or anything like that this is just the, the way that i do things is one i don't watch tv mm-hmm. and b um you can people can call think that i'm ignorant or whatever but i don't mm-hmm. watch the news yeah I, I choose to cut down any sort of out, uh, anything that's outside negativity that I can't control. Yeah. I cut off. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to like even a, a CBC show that, that, that turns on and, and talks about whatever different that I can't change about yeah. anything about, you know, I mean, I, I feel for these people. I feel that it's sad, it's, yeah. but, it, but I'm naturally sensitive and I get it affects me. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm kind of similar and, and I've heard people, cause I don't watch the news, um, call that irresponsible, but I think that's a total, it's totally wrong to me because, mm-hmm. you know, if, I mean, maybe you're not watching the news and going kiting instead, but which is good for yourself, but maybe instead of watching the news and feeling pain for some hurricane victims in another country, which you, like you said, you do, you can do nothing about you're building a th- orthotic. You're actually working on something that's within your span of control and you're helping the world in that 
in that way that you're actually able to reach out and change something or you're, you know, you're raising your kid, doing, doing that a little bit better for him. So I think it's actually, in my view, it's more responsible because you're actually taking charge of the things that you can affect in this life rather right. than worrying about right. things that are, that are totally outside of your control. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. For me, I, I just, I just see it as like, also like I'm sensitive to these things. Mm. So it affects my moods. Yeah. If I can't be at the best of my mood, then I'm no good to anybody simply. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's that straightforward. So I, um, you know, I, I, I've chosen to cut off a few things like that. It's actually given me a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Like to, to, to cut off TV a hundred percent. Like I don't watch TV. Yeah. I don't watch shows. Yeah. I, I don't do that. So I can play guitar. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, there's something though, <laughs> I like I can see the value of that. And, uh, but I, I, I'm susceptible to like, I'll, I'll waste two hours on Netflix, you know, like watching TV and, but then I'll also like, I'll do work for two hours on something that I'm passionate about. So, and I see how much you can get done in like truly in two hours of pure focus. Pure focus. And it's like, man, key. if I, if I had that all the time, like what, what could I get done? And it's like, it, it, it's, I get that, you know, maybe that little bit of FOMO. It's like, man, if I, I kind of, I live with a little bit of regret in that. Yeah. Yeah. That I don't, I don't get more done because I, I waste that time and I'm not, I'm not sure where that balance lies because I, I do feel like it is kind of nice every once in a while to like just chill out and not do something but can i get that like yeah, is there is it, there another it, it place is required that, you get that chill it, yeah for sure that playing guitar yeah or playing with my kids hmm. you know that's a, that's like the yeah absolutely it's mm-hmm. just that that actual time if you, you know there's only so many hours in a day right yeah so if like you know, the, like, do I work that? Like, I've never really, like, I, I, I mean, I've, I've spent lots of days working, like, big hours and everything. But sometimes, like, the days that matter the most are the days that, I, like, I'll work, like, two hours of the most important things. Yeah. And that's when I get the most ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not talking financially. I'm just talking about, like, moving ahead in a project. Like, I, yeah. I never, I've detached myself from financials. A long time ago like it's a, to me progress is sure like the bank account will follow yeah but to me progress is completely detached from sometimes progress means actually spending more money yeah you know it's, it's just what i actually get done mm-hmm. and how much the projects actually go ahead yeah right so to me that's that's progress so where do you where do you find that like discipline or willpower to when you have that, okay, I've got nothing going on for the next two hours. Like I could just, I, I never have nothing going on for the next two hours. <laughs> well, you put it there, but I mean, you had, you have the choice. Like there's sometimes where like, where you, okay, you at least spend an hour playing kids. with your kids. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not that scheduled. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not that scheduled, but, um, I just think a lot of people I, like, I'll find like if I, it's almost like a, not a guilt, but if I find myself procrastinating, or doing something like wasting my time, like going through emails mm-hmm. and trying to answer every email. I'm just like, oh my God, like, okay, textbook, I'm wasting my time right now. This is total procrastination. Yeah. So, okay. What are you avoiding doing? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So my, my you know, trying to kick off the monkey brain, it's just like the, so the, 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 
main brain takes part. Let's just say your conscious brain takes part. Like, okay, look at your list. MVP. Yeah, that's the one I didn't do. Shit. <clears throat> All right, let's do it. Yeah. You know, or like at least schedule a, a, a time where I'm like, okay, like I'm going to have the house to myself between that that time, that time and that time. Mm -hmm. That's when that's happening. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, it, it's got to happen for sure. That's so, powerful, man. I think it's yeah, powerful is it? that you can do that. I, I believe yeah. it is. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess so. But to me, Greg, it's like, it's just, it's just a, um, it's not really willpower. It's like, I, I guess having kids helps for that because I'm committed to my family. I'm committed to growing for, not just for myself. Yeah. You know, so I do feel extremely fortunate that for me, having my, having kids and, and my family just brings out like, I've been really fortunate that I've met a, a woman that drives the best in me. Yeah. You know, so she, she like, and we communicate these things all the time and it's like, it's, it's such a drive because I don't want to disappoint, but at the same time, I, I yeah, I, I really do believe that every day we, we, everybody's got a choice. Mm -hmm. You got a choice. You got the choice of being like just yourself normally and flip flop around. Yeah. Or you can choose to be, your best self, or you can let yourself slip into your worst self, which happens to me too. For yeah. sure. It happens to me. Like I, like whenever I feel down, I'm like pissed off or have the wrong reactions or do something stupid, you know, like I have a temper. Absolutely. I have a temper, Yeah. you know, and when I lose it, I feel like shit. It's like, that's like what I don't want to be. <laughs> Okay, so, so like, why did, does this happen? Like, what, like, okay, come back to here and I think about it, okay? And I have to choose to my best, so be in my best, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, like, there's a, a really, really good trick that... Uh, move this closer. It's getting a little... The volume's I, getting a little low. I, um, I have this, uh, this one trick that, for whoever's listening, that I'd like to share um, for... Uh, I guess it would be like for happiness and it could work for relationships as well. Um, it's basically at the start of the day, I, 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 you know, like anybody else, we've had some, some challenges into our relationship at, yeah. at one point, especially it involved two young kids and, and lots of new challenges come in, you know, you gotta find creative ways to, to, to be together and, and support each other. Um, uh, we, we, you know, I, I started starting the day and I, again, there the was a, a Darren Hardy thing that he suggested in, in one of his things. And it was so powerful to me. It was such a simple trick. It's like happiness is gratitude of what's in front of you. It's a state of mind. Mm. You choose it. So if you can see what you have instead of what you don't have, you will be happy. If you can be grateful for what you actually do have. Yeah. Right. So that, and that's why, that's how people that are handicapped and, and they, they can feel happiness and a lot more than a lot of people that are perfectly fine. Yeah. Right. This is exactly how it happens because their mind shifts into what they actually have. Yeah. 
you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a blissful state of mind of being grateful for what you have. And, um, so I started to start the day, you know, I naturally wake up a little bit before my wife and I started the day and, and like the, the first thing, like, you know, when you're like, you want to hit the snooze button, mm-hmm. the biggest effort is just like, no, eh, eh, not, don't, don't hit it. Okay. Yeah. And I'd force myself to think right away. It's just like, okay, force myself to think as I'm like rolling around in bed, like rolling around. Okay. got to get up. But okay. okay. What are the three things that she did? It could be a few different methods, but what are the three things she did yesterday? That I appreciated, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, she did this. She, she, she like, like simple things like, you know, the way that, um, you know, went shopping and the way that she said, thank you to certain person or like helped out an elderly person, yeah. just open the door, simple whatever, things, yeah. simple things, but just to note it, just to simply open your mind to noting how her behavior is making my world or the world better. Yeah. Or my children's world or, you know, yeah, how, how she, lives. yeah, yeah how like she that. acted, uh, you know, she, she is extra, uh, she's, you know, obviously she's a mom and she's such a dedicated mom that, she, you know, mm-hmm. like she does so much for the kids. Um, but you know, to know all these little things, right? Like, okay, there's a, you know, the behavior the, uh, challenge that we've had with one of our sons and, you know, how she dealt with it and, you know, the, the, the professionals that she's calling to trying to get answers and things like that. It could be anything, but it's three things that either she did or in her personality that I appreciate. And, you know, I, like it, it blasted through that tough time. Yeah. Cause instantly my mind, it didn't take like a week and my mind was like, completely different like what i was like outputting in terms of energy into the couple was completely different mm-hmm. and that's uh, great man because those those times can be oh yeah devastating absolutely in a relationship, right when you get down like that absolutely yeah. and, and it it backfired but in a positive way and it mm-hmm. didn't, didn't take long at all so yeah. I, I i recommend it hugely usually it's just like the simple gratitude of what you actually have to be happy and you can do to turn it around to yourself for the same part. Yeah. yeah. Like what, you know, did I do in the last, you know, whatever that, whatever time that could be, um, that I liked or mm-hmm. I, that I liked that Like had, I had that reaction, you know, with somebody and I, I think I did good there. Okay. Sweet. Right. It's just like positive reinforcement about yourself. It just, you know, it could be yourself. It could be your spouse. It could be whatever. Yeah, but I I really do think that you know this is where happiness and you know uh, growth starts. Yeah, well, I love it, man. Building out that morning routine, kind of starting the day on a super yeah. super positive foot, and yeah. then as well as tackling those those big issues right off the bat. Yeah, as you call it, the MVP. Yeah, yeah MVP is right man. off the bat for sure, for sure. I mean that that's that's no secret. That that's definitely from from the the, the course that I took from. You know, and all the insights from, from yeah. Darren Hardy. Um, but know. you're doing it, man. You're living it. And I think, I think like the reason I I want to interview guys like yourself, and the the reason I did this podcast is we had that discussion, and I was like, you know what? There's so many guys I know like this that are are living these lives that that you're not gonna. Well, right now you're not gonna be on Jay Leno. You're not your story. 
might not be told, at least not right now. You know, maybe I've got the uh, the rookie card, and ten years from now, I'll be like, hey, I got the first uh, interview with Alex. Uh, but but you know, I think it's really important for like for people that are that are struggling, and you know, and you know myself, I'm at a changing point in my life, and to hear people that have kind of they've you they've you know you've got a bunch of tools from other people. It's not like you've just taken what somebody said verbatim and said, I'm just going to follow this. You've, you've taken a bunch of things, integrated it into, into yourself, learned and, and grown. Um, and that's, you know, you, I'm sure even that guy that's speaking, it's not all his own stuff. Like he, I'm sure he's humble oh, and yeah, he brings yeah. other things yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a lot of, know. a lot of mentors. That, you know, yeah, absolutely. And he keeps, he keeps mentioning it and you know, it's part of his material. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just like it because the material is positive. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a good start of the day and it, it works with my, you know, I find you start on a positive foot and it's a step in the right direction, right? Like it's easy yeah. to go down the negative spiral. And, uh, but I find like for me driving the day, like I want to do it and, you know, I want things to be positive. And the more you're positive, the more obviously things escalate rather than going down the spiral. Yeah. brother. So, well, man, we're at, uh, we're at two hours here. Yeah, so, perfect. Uh, okay. Awesome. So let's, uh, hopefully you got some material that, uh, that's pertinent. Yeah, I, know. I think it's all it's all great, man. It's good yeah, stuff. Right um, I, I mean, hell, obviously I'd listen to it. I stood, <laughs> I sat here for two hours, and I, I love it, man. A lot I'm taking out of this. So, so yeah, why don't you uh, why don't you tell people uh, where who should be looking up Peak Orthotics and uh, you, you clue at Campground and sure, and how sure, they can sure. find that info. Uh, okay, so. Um, peak orthotics is uh, our website's www.peakorthotics.com. Uh, we are a, uh, custom orthotics manufacturer, uh, that we serve, um, uh, Western Canada, uh, primarily, um, and we serve, uh, primarily health clinics, um, and uh, our, our main angle of, uh, of attack there is that we uh, created a uh, rehab-specific sports orthotic. Um, so that really um, stimulates the foot muscles to actually work and, uh, and, and sort of retrain the foot back to shape rather than providing a passive brace. Right. So, um, yeah, we've had great success working with physical therapists and, and athletic therapists and, and uh uh, myself, I'm a, I, I'm, a, I'm a certified podiatrist, and um, I specialize in, in uh, training um, all, all the, the professionals into the, the, the steps that you know what makes uh, a good uh, a good assessment and a good cast. Yeah. And, and you know, so they they send you that that scan with the laser, and then you know you, you guys a, here you basically build that out to your specifications. So you you change right. the orthotics and get it progressively different as their foot structure rebuilds itself and the musculature that's right. changes and adapts to go back to a more healthy state. That's right. That's right. Somebody so we was, use, uh, we use CNC mills and, uh, CNC milling technology and, uh, laser scanning to technology. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we also, we also, you know, do all sorts of different casting that, that we teach. Right. So it's like, we'll work with the foam impression cast and we'll work with, uh, plaster and we'll work with you know traditional methods and or, or more cutting edge stuff like like the yeah. laser scanning and so if somebody's interested in that they can go on your website and and maybe send you an email and, and ask to be referred to a, a local clinic in their area 
That absolutely. Would, be provider? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, awesome. for sure. For sure. Yeah. Like you can just go on our website and we've got a list of all the affiliated practitioners. So like everything's by, okay. by region. Yeah. Great. And great. you can always find some, something that's relatively close, hopefully, uh, to, uh, wherever, uh, everybody is. Yeah. And so, then, uh, um, what's your, what's your website for, uh, for the campground in, in UK? The, the campground is, uh, wildpacificcamp.com. So, okay. uh, um, you know, wild Pacific camp. So there's two C's. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Wildpacificcamp.com. All right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we, we uh, focus on a more, um, uh, weekly or multi-weekly, uh, offering for uh, service RV sites. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've taken like a great deal of effort into making like a site that's not like max with rv sites it's mm-hmm. just it's it's, it's yeah it's super very, homey like non-linear uh and uh and you know we really worked within the, the actual natural landscape and uh, it looks like you're building a little community there and uh yeah. if anybody wants to learn all about predicting weather and finding where the goods are for any any extreme sport <laughs> in the world they should come and just just pick attach on to you and, and pick your brain yeah <laughs> All right, right sure, sure, absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. Any, anybody's, uh, you know, welcome. Come, come, check out our, our website, and uh, we've got a, a cool video that I just uploaded on there, so um, people can see what what it's all about. Awesome, thanks a lot, man. Awesome, thank you. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alex as much as I did. I'm looking to do this on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. I've got a few ideas for new guests, but would love to hear if you have some suggestions of people with interesting ideas or lifestyles on Vancouver Island. My Twitter handle is Contra underscore podcast, so hit me up with that or just send nudes and hate mail. If you like today's episode, please rate and subscribe or send drugs and baked goods to my home address. Thank you for listening.